Good morning. Good to be here with you again um, on favourites, last of favourites, for the morning at least, there's one more to go. Um, I was really um, blessed and encouraged this morning as I, we met together as a team and prayed and sang uh, just in the grassy area. And I noticed a, um, one of the guys that, that just roams the streets and uh, he's, he's very likeable. Very, it's incredible how you get a really good conversation out of this guy. And I saw him going past and I said to the guys, oh, that's so-and-so. So I, I thought I'd go up and say hello to him. So I did. I walked over to him and I said, hey, and I said his name, and then he didn't respond. So as he kept walking, I kept following him and getting a little bit closer. And after the third time, he just turned around at me and told me where to go with beautiful language. And I thought, wow, that's just like God. They've given me a boost to serve this morning. So uh, that's the way I take it anyway. As you all uh, would, would struggle with, to find a favourite, I, I too found a, just too much. So I found something that was one of my favourites. What was that? <laughs> I said that years ago, didn't I? Um, and uh, so if, it's one of my favourites because it resonates with my own journey. So if you turn with me to Exodus chapter 3, um, let's just read together this incredible um, passage, which uh, I'm sure many will resonate with. And can I ask you this morning, imagine with me, use your imagination, put on the sandals, put on Moses' sandals and see what God wants to say to you, just like he said something to him all those years ago. So looking at um, chapter you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to run with this. I forgot my glasses, so I'm just going to pretend I don't see this stuff. Let's look at uh, chapter 2, verse 25. He looked down on the people, this is God, of Israel, and he knew it was time to act. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go and see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses replied, here I am. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face and he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I've certainly seen the, the, the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries in distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians 
and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. Well, let's pray again. Father, thank you for your word this morning. You said in Isaiah 55 that it won't return void, empty, but it will accomplish that to which you send it out. You said it's a sharp, two-edged sword. Let that happen in our hearts this morning. Speak, Lord, to our hearts. We are open and we pray that you would find our hearts responsive this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, so on the 27th of December, 310 years ago, a boy was born in a pub in England. He was reared in an unhealthy environment of drunkards and mischievous people until he was 16 years old. He was born to a poor family and he became a servant to students to pay for his college tuition fees. Four years later, you're wondering who this is, aren't you? <laughs> Four years later, George Whitfield was converted to Christ. And the boy who was reared in a pub became the most popular preacher in all of England, Scotland, Wales and Ireland and even the United States. God used this man to swing open the doors of open-air preaching and evangelism. And he was used mightily of God in the 1740s revival. Nobody was expecting George Whitfield to arrive on the scene. Nobody expected what his preaching would do to those that he ministered to. Nobody expected it. He preached to thousands and thousands and impacted people incredibly. Not even George expected George <laughs> under God. But God had his hand on this man. And in the words of Jacob, God said, I will not leave you until I've done all that I have spoken to you. And his life was stamped in God's purposes. God pursued this man all his life. And what an incredible witness he was. I'll leave the rest for you to read up on him. Exodus 3 is like an iconic passage for every believer that we should familiarize ourselves with. It's an incredible passage. Um, it's a story of the ex-prince of Egypt, heir to the throne, who found his way back to his roots, his Hebrew roots. We pick up the scene uh, where Moses is leading his father-in-law's flocks to the backside of the desert, like he had done for 40 years. And God caught his attention. And here is where uh, he spoke clearly to the shepherd whose eyes 
squinted with those 40 years of, of what he did. His face dragged through the day in and day out. Every hour, the same old thing. God entered the scene and he wasn't expecting it. So from this story, this incredible story that we sang about this morning, what few lessons can you and I take away before we just jump into 2024? Again, I remind you this morning as we look at the first lesson, Exodus 2.25, God looked down on the people of Israel and he knew that now was the time to act. And so the first lesson is this. When it comes to God's plan for your life and my life, his timing is perfect, absolutely perfect. In fact, no matter what you go through in life, what circumstances, what relationships that you experience, the joys, the triumphs that you experience, whatever it is, God's timing is perfect. Moses was a forgotten deliverer. In the eyes of the Hebrews that he was going to minister to, and in his own eyes, he was nothing. He was forgotten. As far as his previous job description went, Moses went, uh, Moses uh, was stuck with that plan. Um, he tried to deliver the Hebrews, as you know, in his own strength, in his own ability, and it all went pear-shaped. But here's the thing. God wasn't finished with him. And that, that fascinates me. That's why it's one of my favourite passages. Because there will be seasons in your life where you do feel like it's all done and over. That you might as well forget who I am and, and, and how I was before you. I'm done. This experience, the season I'm going through is, is too tough. But Moses' experience teaches us that God's not finished with his choice. And we are his choice. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. He will not let anyone go that he pursues. When he has a mission or a ministry for your life and my life, he won't let you go. You'll let him go. I'll let him go, but he won't. In fact, we sang that there are this morning... Nothing can separate us from, from the love of Christ. He is the same God. He is the same God. You remember Ecclesiastes chapter 3? That beautiful verse where it says that God has made everything beautiful in his time. God has made everything appropriate in his time. You remember when Esther just rose up out of in just an insignificant space and entered to the, into the scene of a Jewish nation that were going to be destroyed and God raised her up for such a time as this. God's timing was absolutely perfect. Writing to the believers in Galatia, in, in, in Galatia 
Paul said this, but when the right time came, God sent his son right on time. Our agenda, our five-year plan, 10-year plans, our organized pathways can be disrupted. They can also be discarded. But God's timing is absolutely perfect. Without fault, he is neither early or late. He is right on time. And that's why uh, some of you, when, when you share your testimony and, and you talk about some of the stuff that's happened in your life, you say, I can't believe that that happened to me just then. Well, it did because God's timing is perfect. There's another lesson that Moses brings to us. Take this one home. God's calling is ordinary but it's also extraordinary. It's, it's simply ordinary, but it's extraordinary. I remember on my way to preaching in Bort one day, I said, oh, I, I was slowly driving and I saw the stick. And I thought, that's just a cool stick to walk around with, to pray with, and to just to use in a message. <laughs> But maybe something like this is what Moses had. Something that was not fancy. Something that identified himself as simply ordinary. Just like you and me. Ordinary. Where was this encounter that Moses had with God? Where was it? Well, it was in the desert. It was in an ordinary place. And God spoke to him out of an ordinary bush. Was it in the palace? Was it in the great Mediterranean uh, aristocratic you know, scene? It was in the desert by a bush. Who did God meet with? Not a prince. He met with an ordinary shepherd, a washed up leader. So what would be the symbol for, for God's freedom fighter, for God's emancipator for Israel? This, this would be, this would be the symbol, an ordinary shepherd's staff. Same one that he would hold up and the sea would part. Same one where he would, lead the people of Israel forward and they would see the staff, not of Moses, but the staff of God. God was simply about choosing ordinary people for an extraordinary mission. God uses ordinary people like you and me, like Moses. Look at the disciples that Jesus gathered around him. You remember? Fishermen, stinky fishermen, tax collectors, annoying tax collectors. But they were ordinary, just ordinary people. Look at the things that Jesus used when he preached. Five loaves and two salmon-sized fish, ordinary. The smallest seed to signify 
exponential spiritual growth, the mustard seed. Ordinary, an ordinary seed. Remember Jesus says, look, look at the fields, look at the lilies of the field, how they grow, how they adorn themselves to explain God's provision. Just ordinary examples Jesus used. Remember, as you go through the Bible, the little girl in the Old Testament who advised the great Syrian general, Naaman, with all his leprosy, she advised him, go see a prophet. And he went and he got healed. But it was an ordinary girl that God used to get him moving. Ordinary. A teenage shepherd boy that we sang about this morning who would pick up five, five stones and only use one to take down a giant that nobody else could stand before. Ordinary, simple, little shepherd, teenage boy. Our Messiah was not born in a palace. He was born in a manger with animals, ordinary surroundings. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, but we ourselves are like fragile clay. Don't you feel like that sometimes? Come on, do you? Sometimes we just feel ordinary, like clay. But he said we contain this incredible treasure. It's the gospel. It's Jesus himself. And that's why God takes ordinary people like you and me to present this extraordinary person before people and his message. Many of us, um, we know of Cornelia Arnoldo Johanna Temboom, or as we remember her, Corrie Temboom. After the Germans invaded the Netherlands during World War II, the Jews became, they became a target like they are today. They became a target for anti-Semitic attacks. And the Ten Booms became a hiding place for persecuted and hunted Jews. And, and those of you that have read this story, you love this story. They became actively involved in the Dutch underground movement. And Corrie was involved in rescuing Jews to an estimated number of around 800 plus. Corrie and her sister Betsy were eventually arrested and sent to a concentration camp where Betsy eventually died, but Corrie escaped miraculously. And for the next 39 years, God used this incredible woman to testify about the grace, the forgiveness, and the love of Jesus. And every audience that she spoke to, she blew them away. People wanted to get right with God, especially in this area of forgiveness. What was her occupation before all of this happened? She was a watchmaker. She followed her father's footsteps and became involved in the watchmaking business. Just watches. Ordinary. Moses' encounter teaches us that we don't have to be anything special to be used of God. In fact, the most amazing thing that God would have of you is what um, our worship leader challenged us with this morning, to simply open your heart 
That's the special that God wants. Ordinary hearts open for an extraordinary mission for God. There's a final lesson that I want to bring to your attention. Moses' excuses are our excuses. And guess what? God's not going to have a bar of it. He ain't going to accept it. But his excuses, they're not new to us because they're our excuses. I remember a few years back, I don't know if those of you remember, I spoke about the excuses right here that Moses threw. And I threw out three statements um, to those that were here. I said, one, you're never too old for God to still use you. This man was 80. We have no excuse that God cannot use us at our later age. In fact, he is looking for those hearts that are older that will say, how can you use me today? In 2024, I'm still breathing. What do you want me to do? How can I invest into the younger generation to get them moving so that we together can do this mission for God? You're never too old. God's, he's not interested in your age. You're never too old. The second statement I threw out was this. You're never too young for God to open up an opportunity for you. So there's no excuse for you to say, oh, I'm not experienced enough. Just step forward and let God do the rest. You're never too young. There are so many examples in the Bible of God using those who we would have thought are too young and God says, they're the ones. They're the ones. I'll give you one example. Do you remember the boy that went to Paul when he was in jail and says, listen, Paul, this is what's happening. And Paul sent that message to those who helped rescue him from being incarcerated. But it was a a kid who was able to go to Paul and rescue the apostle from a situation. There's so many more. The third thing I mentioned was this. We are never too far gone in our walk with God for God never to use us again. He is the God of second, third, fourth. He'll keep using you as long as you step forward because the Bible says in James, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's a promise. You're never too far gone. You've never done something that he can never forgive you for and use you again. Never. This is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses that is speaking here. He doesn't change in 2024. And so instead of looking at all the the excuses of Moses, I want to share one with you. Moses said to God after he was called, what if they don't listen to me? What if I go and they won't listen? What am I going to say to them? You ever felt that way? where God's opened up an opportunity and you think, I don't know them. I've never been there before. They don't know me. What am I going to say? They won't even listen to me. Look at me. And God says, what's in your hand? It's a shepherd's staff. 
a symbol of God taking an ordinary person and producing a miracle. What's in your hand, Moses? Again, it's ordinary. This is the shepherd's staff that God took Moses forward and led over two million Jews out of Egypt. It's the same staff, as I said, that he raised up uh, the staff before complaining and fearful people that saw the Egyptians behind them and the Red Sea before them, and he opened it up just like that. This was the same staff that he touched the Nile and it turned into blood and the plague started to fall into place. God was using this man with what he had and with who he was. No excuses, Moses. Just step up to the plate and I'll do the rest. You know, um, when I first became a Christian, I was thinking about this as I was writing these things down. I remember, I remember the day that I um, got involved in street ministry. And it was there that I cut my teeth into things like publicly declaring my faith with a group uh, that were in Auckland, the Auckland CBD. I'm back in the CBD again. But um, I started out there in the CBD in Auckland. And I remember, I mean, I was familiar with Auckland. Because I was a breakdancer. I know you don't believe me, but I was there. I, I did it all. <laughs> and so I was familiar with it. And there I was standing at the back with the group. And, and I would see, see uh, some of those boys that I used to breakdance with look over towards me and go, ooh, there's Mike. And I'd be standing there going, and this is what we used to do. We used to go, just that, you know. <laughs> and there I was doing that thinking, oh, I'm embarrassed. What are they going to say, you know? I can't do this, God. I can't do it. But God kept me going. It was there that I began to um, I learned to play the guitar. I could never play the guitar at all. But I, I put my foot in it, didn't I? Because I went out and bought me a guitar. And God says, great, I'm going to teach you how to play a guitar. And then I'll use you. So it was there that I learned how to play choruses and, and songs. And before you know it, um, I was leading the group. Something that I didn't think I could do. I gave my excuses. There's no way I can do that. I only know a D and a G and an A go together. That's all I know. God says it's good enough for me. Start playing. <laughs> I had no excuses. But it was there that I hesitantly stepped out. For, for one or two minutes, but that's all. Just to say a word and then step back. Before you know it, it was five to ten minutes. I had no excuse. It was there that um, I made mistakes over and over and over again. It was there that I entered leadership. I never thought that I could actually take a group on the streets. I just joined in. But a few years later, who was leading the group? The hesitant one, <laughs> the one who had all the excuses, was now leading the group on the streets of Auckland because God was taking someone who was ordinary and who simply said, I've got no more excuses, God. You have, you have to come through for me. This was the place that I ran out of excuses. The encounter... 
Moses had with God was an encounter that uh, changed his, his life, his perspective, and his ministry forever. And I want to leave you with uh, some questions. And here's the first one. When God comes tapping on your shoulder, like he did with Moses, and I know I've been in your place when there's a speaker up here, Something is brewing inside of you. Somehow, maybe towards the end of last year, God has been trying to put his finger on something he wants you involved with. But when God comes tapping on your shoulder and his timing is perfect, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? I remember listening to um, a, a, a supporter for um, the rights of Israel against anti-Semitic. She's been doing this for over 20 years. And she was interviewed by Sky News. And then towards the end of the interview, after the October 7th massacre, this woman said, you guys know what happened on October the 7th. You know all about it. And some of the stuff that is coming out that you're going to hear about, Israel needs your support. What are you waiting for? That's what she said, those words. What are you waiting for? And I say the same words when it comes to God tapping you on the shoulder. What is it that you're waiting for when he comes? Again, Ecclesiastes 3, his timing is beautiful. It's perfect. Second question I want to leave with you. If God specialises in ordinary people, will you give your ordinary to him? Whatever that is, will you give it to him? Give your ordinary to God and enjoy the ride of your life. I guarantee that when he takes a hold of your stick, things that he's going to do in your life for other people will be extraordinary. So give him your ordinary this morning. The third question I want to leave with you is this. What excuses do we continue to hold on to tightly when God gets our attention with a 2024 burning bush? I love the fact this, that the bush continued to burn. And it continues to burn. The message continues to burn even today. God continues to get our attention because he wants to use your life and my life. So from a Jewish baby snuggled and nestled in a tar-smothered basket, you remember the story, floating down the Egyptian Nile came Israel's great Deliverer. God's timing was right on cue. Even when the Deliverer himself dressed himself in shepherd clothes for four decades. God knows what he's doing in your life and my life. Trust him. Take 
your ordinary stick and enter an adventure that other people will just shake their heads at and say, how did this happen to you? That your kids will say, where did it begin, Dad? Where did it begin, Mom, for you? Because this is an incredible thing that, that is happening in our lives. This is why Exodus 3 is one of my favorite passages. Let's pray. You are an incredible God who never changes. It's like we could step right there in the desert. The desert, which in the original language or the wilderness means you speak to speak. And so we see Moses hearing the voice of God simply because God wants to speak to him and God wants to speak to us today. Lord, look at us at the beginning of 2024. Look at our weaknesses. Look at our ordinary. Look at our fears and and look at the simplicity of, of even our understanding of the way you work because you said in your word it's higher than our ways. It's higher than our thoughts. And we bring that all to you this morning and ask you to take it and use our ordinary for your extraordinary purposes for the name and for the sake of our Lord Jesus. Amen.